This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. Volume 49, Number 11, from November of 1971. Wise and Serious Truths Author Unknown The ritual of the Fellowcraft degree teaches the importance of intellectual development, of the cultivation of the mind. One paragraph of the Middle Chamber Lecture states positively, On the mind, all our knowledge must depend. The Worshipful Master points out to the candidate that tools and implements of architecture are selected by the fraternity to imprint on the memory wise and serious truths, a mental activity which stresses the major objective of the second degree. In the charge of this degree, an initiate is told, The study of the liberal arts, that valuable branch of education which tends so effectually to polish and adorn the mind, is earnestly recommended to your consideration. Unfortunately, many Masonic mentors and candidates have interpreted that recommendation literally. That because the average candidate for Masonry has become acquainted with the basic ideas of the liberal arts and sciences long before he had any idea of becoming a speculative Mason, he ignores the recommendation as a quaint relic of the fraternity's dead past. In fact, he sometimes lets it annoy him as a bit of evidence that Freemasonry is no longer relevant to the world in which he lives. In our day, a man can find much more complete instruction in the liberal arts and their derivative studies elsewhere than in a Masonic lodge, in schools, colleges, art institutes, laboratories, in the multitudinous facilities which the explosion of knowledge and its uses have created wherever men are building or rebuilding civilizations. Then why, it's asked, do Masonic teachers still use the simplistic and archaic recommendation in the Fellowcraft degree? The answer is to be found in the nature of Freemasonry itself. Masonic ritual is symbolic, not literal. It's not the medieval trivium and quadrivium which Masonry recommends as specific subjects to be studied, although it points out their fundamental nature in the training of every disciplined mind. It's the underlying concept of Masonic philosophy that's being emphasized. Let there be light, especially light in the mind. A speculative Freemason should never forget that Freemasonry regards the training of the mind not merely for the acquisition and accumulation of useful knowledge, a skill which computers will probably do better, but for the developing of those mental powers which we call the faculties of conceiving, judging, reasoning, and disposing. In other words, the development of taste, standards, and values by which men can live more happily in harmony with each other. As a fellow craft is told about the study of geometry, while it proves the wonderful properties of nature, it demonstrates the more important truths of morality. One of the most important truths of morality for our times is the truth that standards and values count, that excellence counts 
In fact, it counts for so much that Masons ought to do some speculating about its necessity, and to teach its importance in an age when so many men are advising, do your own thing, there are no absolute values. If somebody says you're indecent or destructive, tell him he's unaware what life is all about. Call him a four-letter word. It'll shut him up. As an exaggerated illustration of what could happen if everyone should do his own thing simultaneously, by giving up his employment and the standards he set for himself in performing that work, suppose that every farmer, every farm worker, every food processor, every food distributor, every food handler, and every food inspector should quit work at the same time and join a wandering band of minstrels or motorcycle gypsies to become aware of what life is really all about. Most of us would die of starvation in a relatively short period of time. Each one of us, without thinking about it, counts on others for the necessities of life. We're completely dependent on the willingness of others to perform satisfactorily some service or to produce some goods or merchandise having the quality to sustain our individual lives. If we re-examine the middle chamber lecture of the Fellowcraft degree in the light of this idea, we may see that its importance lies not in the knowledge it rehearses, but in the excellence it emphasizes as the outcome of liberal studies. Grammar, for example, teaches that excellence which enables us to speak or write a language with accuracy. Rhetoric teaches us to speak with all the advantages of force and elegance. By the study of geometry, certain kinds of men are trained for leadership. The architect, the general, the engineer, the geographer, etc. Real leaders are those who perform the work of the world with excellence. This is a wise and serious truth that Masonic education should reassert not merely to candidates for initiation, but also and especially to our fellow citizens wherever we work with them in professional, educational, religious, social, and political affairs. Masonic philosophy was not meant to be a private exercise in mental and moral gymnastics in a lodge room. It's intended to change men, to make good men better in their relationships with their fellow men. The study of the liberal arts and sciences, that is, the study of those things that lead to excellence, is one way to make a good man better. That is the meaning of the instruction in the Fellowcraft degree. One of the most important reasons why Masons should involve themselves in service to young people, providing assistance and guidance to youth groups like Demolay, Job's Daughters, and Rainbow Girls, is their possession of wise and serious truths that lead to the recognition of standards and values, of excellence. Young people need those truths, but they won't learn them from books and lectures. They learn them only from individuals who demonstrate them by the kinds of lives they lead. A fellow of the craft could choose no better speculative labor to fashion his master's piece than to become involved as a demolay dad. As the twig is bent, the trees inclined. When so many voices are exhorting young people to cop out, to find comfort or courage in drugs, to abandon all values and standards except their momentary feelings, 
to rebel against authority if it represents the establishment, etc. Our young men and women need help learning about the real meaning of morality, the responsibility to learn the qualities of excellence and to commit oneself to their achievement. The danger that too many of our young people have already been infected with negative attitudes and non-values must be more than hypothetical. Lately, one finds more concern expressed in newspapers and magazines about the loss of high standards or in praise of excellence. In a recent edition of the Washington Post, Mr. Jack Valenti, president of the Motion Picture Association of America, described those who had standards and worked hard to maintain them as professionals. Quote, A man or woman who invests every task or duty with consistent competence, with the discipline of mind and spirit which always precedes the doing of the job. The professional is one who has trained himself in whatever it is that he pursues, who confronts each new challenge, no matter how small or large, with an absolute zeal to do what needs to be done with excellence. End of quote. What prompted Mr. Valenti's old-fashioned essay was an encounter, one of many like it, with a college student who was majoring in films and film production. The young man was complaining that the Hollywood establishment was thwarting his intense desire to direct a feature film. Mr. Valenti wrote, quote, There followed a kind of dialogue. What was his experience in filmmaking? He had shot a 10-minute, 8-millimeter documentary about the basketball team. How much experience had he had in drama? None, but he saw a lot of movies. Did he have a script prepared and ready to shoot? No, but he had some ideas about what he wanted to film, though he didn't believe in scripts. He was a disciple of cinema verite. He believed in improvising as he moved. Nobody, he said sourly, would give him a chance to really produce the movie he knew he was capable of creating. End of quote. Concerning the college protesters and campus radicals, Mr. Valenti concluded sadly, quote, They demand their views be heard and adopted now, so they wander into the political arena and expect instant fulfillment. But anger and frustration soon sour their spirit when what they declare is ignored. The plain fact is too many of them are not prepared. To their vision of altering the political landscape, they bring lovely but fragile tools, enthusiasm, idealism, and even brilliant ideas. But they are turned off when their instruments are blunted. They find too much of political activity tedious, choking with detail, and they're exhausted by the homework that's demanded to be done, the everlasting, interminable education of being trained how to teach, inspire, and convert opposing forces into allies. The horrifying fact now is available to them. There is no shortcut, no magic carpet that flings them swiftly from desire to achievement. End of quote. A zest for excellence is the essential quality in a professional. This is a wise and serious truth which young people need to learn. But they will learn it only if they see enough examples of people who are true professionals, not merely in their jobs, but in all that they do in the business of living. 
That's what a mason should exemplify. As a fellow craft, he is taught to train himself to become a professional in living by using the standards and values of the liberal arts and sciences. Recently, Life printed an editorial paying tribute to the late Margaret Burke White, the famous professional photographer. In describing the exhausting efforts Miss Burke White made and required of others to get her excellent pictures, the writer said, quote, The people she was photographing endured the torture of long hours, new positions, and recommended changes of clothing. Once, after we'd put a lady's auxiliary through four hours of photographic hurrah in search of a perfect single picture, I asked her how she dared to demand so much. She said it was easy. They could all see how hard she was working, how much she wanted the perfect picture, and people were always willing to help that kind of determination. End of quote. A real professional knows that a zest for excellence, the willingness to work hard to achieve standards, communicates itself to others naturally. That is a wise and serious truth that comes from understanding the value of liberal arts and sciences. That is why their study is earnestly recommended to your consideration. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.